0: What's up, you guys? Show number two tonight, UFC 226 post show. Visit FightfulMMA.com. Click that exclusives tab. You're going to find all kinds of
1: scoops,
0: interviews, lots of good stuff on the MMA side. I know we're still growing in that regard, but this is a very big night for Fightful, obviously. New Japan just finished that post show. Check it out. Also, this show, and we broke the news of Brock Lesnar making his UFC appearance as well as uh, his face-off, all that good stuff. Man, big night. It is a damn big night. UFC 226. Daniel Cormier did it. This is your first time. Thumbs up. Subscribe. It all helps. Let's get right into it, man. Daniel Cormier became a double champion. And I don't even know if that was the biggest story. Jeez. Brock Lesnar back <laughs> in the UFC. Who boy. It's, like, it's hard to unpack all this after such a wild night. So uh, earlier this evening, it was actually during the show, I got word Lesnar's going to be back on this show. And (laughs) when when I get that news, I'm like, okay, got to confirm, got to confirm. WWE's running a show at MSG. UFC's running a main event cal- a huge show right now. I'm not going to hear back from anybody, and I didn't hear back from anybody. Ran it with one source. Don't usually do that, but ended up panning out. It was up early for Fightful Select subscribers. So this fight, Cormier, Miocic... Early on, Miocic bullied Cormier around. Cormier came in a little bit heavier, but you know his frame is a little thicker. I broke that down how he, when he slams people, he's able to uh, make more impact because of his smaller frame. It, it works a little bit better than than a taller guy. But Miocic bullied his way inside, and Cormier looked a little helpless. And Miocic was finding a home for a lot of knees and was making it work. He's Miocic gets poked in the eye, and I saw somebody say that played a factor. I don't know. I guess we'll see. We'll see what Miocic says as well, but I don't know if he'll, he's even aware that he got poked at this point because he got knocked out pretty cold. Cormier connects with big punches as Miocic puts his hands down and backs out, something that Cormier said that he looked out for. Knocked out Miocic. Cormier is the best heavyweight in the world. And you got to wonder, was Cormier always the best heavyweight in the world? How much did he sacrifice for his friend, Cain Velazquez, who barely fought? Cain Velazquez might not fight by the time that Cormier retires. Cormier is 39 years old, and he is a double UFC champion. He's one of the best fighters of all time, one of the best fighters in the world right now, and he didn't even find MMA until his... Really get an MMA until his 30s. That's unbelievable. It's almost unheard of. That's special. Now, what does this do for Cormier's legacy? Now, he's been beaten by John Jones twice. Once was turned into a no contest. Definitely some foggy... uh foggy situation. But... He did something that John Jones has not been able to do. Why? Because John Jones can be his own worst enemy. He was able to become a UFC heavyweight champion. Oh, by the way, while he holds the UFC light heavyweight championship, that's special. That's something unique. That's something that nobody else has ever done at the same time. We've had some heavy we've had heavyweight and light heavyweight champion and Randy Couture, but never at the same time. Not only that, you know, he's up there with Conor McGregor now. Conor McGregor is the only other guy to hold two titles at one time. Unbelievable. And for you know all the bad breaks that Daniel Cormier gets, man. <laughs> Injuries and opponents pulling out and drug tests for his opponents and his opponents falling out and... He faced a really unmotivated Rumble Johnson. and A lot of people, including myself, questioned the validity of that win. The man knocked out Miocic. He knocked out Volkan Ozdemir. He tapped out Rumble Johnson. He beat Anderson Silva. And the Anderson Silva, you can say what you want about that, but beat Gustafson. Choked out Rumble Johnson. Beat Dan Henderson. Oh, and then in his heavyweight run well before that, he beat Bigfoot, Frank Mir, Roy Nelson, Josh Barnett. Josh Barnett broke his hand early. doesn't matter. He beat Josh Barnett. The guy didn't do MMA until he was 30. Awesome. What a career that guy has had, and he deserves this big fight with Brock Lesnar. Daniel Cormier said that he wanted Brock Lesnar, brought Brock Lesnar into the cage, and Lesnar pushed him. Dana White later said that the uh, process for the USADA pool has been started. They are definitely making Cormier versus Brock Lesnar. White says this may be the most epic card they've ever done and had the Kona main event stayed on the card. He was uh, very happy with how everything turned out outside of the uh, Lewis francis and Ganu fight. Dana has no update on uh, Holloway as of yet. It says that Cormier hurt his leg when he tripped, but that Cormier threw his back out during camp, and that could be why he put weight on. Whew. Dana White says he's unsure of when Cormier and Lesnar will happen, though. It says that Lesnar texted him this week and said he would show up. Lesnar picked Stipe because he thought Cormier was too heavy. Dana put over Daniel Cormier by saying this gets him the respect he deserves. Now he uh, has a big fight and a, a big payday ahead of him. This is all happening at the post-fight presser. Uh, Jeremy Lambert is covering that for us on the Fightful MMA Twitter. Dana also put over uh, Costa. Says he thinks he can headline a Brazil card with him. Put over Hall for how he fight. Dana says that Cormier, Brock, Cormier and Brock have known each other for a long time and told Brock to calm down after the shove. Said that everyone was fired up and crazy. And said this is about to turn into a shit show that the commission is not going to like. <laughs> Woo. It's insane, man. I'm getting my, mes- my messages are blowing up right now with with word from the venue and everything. Dana White praised the main event, credited for bo- both guys for going at it. As for Miocic, man, had. Enganu won. I would have said, all right, Enganu and Miocic. Not, not after that. Not after that shit show. I would maybe. I don't know if you want to even reward Derek Lewis for that. You can't. Who else can you put Miocic against? Blades. He's probably fighting Volkov. You could. I mean, Volkov was on standby for this fight. Who can Miocic fight? Velazquez if he comes back. You know, and people asking me, oh, is, is UFC going the way of WWE? If they're smart, I mean, not from a scripted perspective, but from an entertainment perspective, Brock Lesnar and Cormier is going to do over a million buys, flat out. That's so what's going on. Dana White doesn't uh, say that he needs any guy to win. However, it plays out as how it's meant to play out. I agree with him. The cream rises to the top. The best fighters end up winning. Nobody really won in that co-main event. Number five, Derek Lewis beat Francis Ngannou, one of the most boring fights in UFC history, in what should have been a great one. Told you guys we're going to start a segment called I Got Five on it. I would have had five on Derek Lewis because of the odds. He won. Literally almost nothing happened in this fight. This fight was the biggest piece of shit. And I had some people say, oh, recency bias It's not the most boring fight. And they pointed to that mirror fight where I can't remember who it was. It was just throwing the jab out there. At least there was a a jiff-worthy moment in that fight. There wasn't anything in this. Lewis threw the occasional switch kick. That's it. I didn't think there was any way this fight could suck. But, man, they overcame the odds and they figured out a way to do it. This one was trash. Trash. Justin H. says even Dada versus Kimbo was more entertaining. Yeah, it was. From an entertainment perspective, I mean, it was a garbage fire. It was a trash fire, Kimbo and Dada. But at least I wanted to watch it to see what would happen next. I would rather have been embarrassed than just disgusted. Herb Dean won this fight. Was he appropriately warned uh, for timidity? Crap. I want a Brock Lesnar to run in an F5 both of these jobbers. Ooh. This may have been the most embarrassing or the most boring heavyweight fight I have seen, at least in years. Terrible. Terrible. Don't even watch it out of curiosity. It sucked. This is a fight that you tell your friend, "Oh, that's going to be a good one." If you're telling them, it. I, I, so often I have people say, "Is this card worth it?" And I told them tonight would be worth it. Felder Perry was worth it. Showtime Pettis and Chiesa was worth it. Roundtree Saki was worth it. Miocic Cormier was worth it. The, the follow up was worth it. Lewis and, and Ngannou wasn't, and that sometimes that can stick in people's mind. Sucky fight. Mike Perry split decision, number 14, lightweight, Paul Felder. Felder was supposed to fight James Vick, who got pulled to fight Gaethje. Uh, Vick told us he was not happy about fighting Felder because it wasn't a big step up for him. So he jumped at the chance to fight Gaethje. Incepts Mike Perry at a weight class higher, and it showed. Even though Felder looked bigger than Perry, you can tell that Felder maybe wasn't used to fighting guys this size. Perry was able to bully Felder. Good fight. Perry able to score some elbows, which is his specialty. Uh, Felder would la- land some rights when Perry came in. And Perry was also able to take Felder down, who looked for an arm bar. Uh, in the third round, much of the same happened, this time with Perry landing some ground and pound. The output is comparable as far as strikes go. But you can tell Felder was having to adjust to facing a, a heavier opponent. And it, it he wasn't able to overcome it. This was an outstanding, bloody, messy brawl. It ends Paul Felder's three-fight winning streak but it was a weight class up so you can't really hold this against him but it was a big win even though he's even though uh, Mike Perry is fighting a guy lighter than him this is a big win for him he needed this win to stay really good and relevant and he's that type of guy that will show up and and win $50,000 bonuses on a few weeks notice however he didn't win a bonus this time vinny fernando says that paul felder broke his arm Nasty. At the post-fight presser, Dana back to praising Cormier. Not only his skills inside the cage, but what he does outside the cage. says, I love Cormier. Can't say enough good things about him. Thinks that Francis Ngannou's ego got the better of him. The minute that happens to you in the fight game, everything falls apart. This guy's ego was so out of control. This was something that I talked about before the Cipe fight. I want you all to go back and look at, I think it was Embedded or something. And Francis Ngannou, they arranged a meeting between him and Joel Embiid because they're from the same place, uh, Philadelphia 76ers Star Center. And Francis Ngannou's first reaction to meeting an NBA center, a moment they wanted to do, you know, for publicity for the country, for publicity for NBA and UFC, is to go, "Oh, I want to fight this guy, this untrained seven foot tall center." Why the fuck would you say something like that? Why would you... Do- and, like, he was... It's, you know, one of those halfway serious things you can tell. It's like, what the- That's weird, man. That's weird behavior. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how Paul Felder got one of the scorecards on this one. Hmm. Dana White doesn't think that Derrick Lewis' stock has dropped. Uh, His back will always give him trouble. uh, Derrick Lewis said that his back was bothering him between the first and second round. Also from this post-fight presser. Um, (laughs) Mike Perry was up first, said he didn't. I said it wasn't going to be easy. I got my first decision victory. I see my career moving forward in a positive direction. Shows room for growth. He's hoping for fight of the night. Didn't get it. He wants main events in the future. Says he could have went 10 more minutes. Thought things were coming together for him in the third. Said that he had fun all week. It was the best and hardest job in the world, and he might as well enjoy it. Doesn't feel bad despite going through the war. Just needs to jump in an ice bath. Perry puts over his new camp, which is uh, Greg Jackson. Jackson, Winkle, Jackson Winkle John. Says that working with different styles and Frank the Tank on his kickboxing was a big help. His former camp had too many grapplers. Derek Lewis said he's surprised he's getting a chance. It was a terrible performance. He said he doesn't deserve a title shot. It hurt me more than helped me. It set him two fights back. The game plan was to take down Francis Ngannou. Said that he shouldn't call anyone out after this fight. Says he should have pushed the fight and blamed himself because he called out Francis and wanted to go, but his body wouldn't let him. His wife wants him to take care of his back. The doctor told, told him he needs a lease. Lose at least 25 pounds and stretch more to help his back. Said if he had a post-fight interview, he would have apologized. Also would have, wouldn't have would have called out anyone uh, or would have called out anyone who betted against him because he was the underdog. Wanted to knock him out. Anything besides a knockout is disappointing. Said he didn't talk to Francis after the fight. <laughs> Says Francis doesn't understand English anyway. Would have been a waste of time. That is not true, actually. Francis and Gunner does does um, understand English. Dana White will not commit to giving Rafael Assuncao a title shot, despite him being 11-1. and one. I'll talk more about that later. Brock's not going to do anything to piss Vince off. They have a good relationship, Dana White says, on Brock's UFC, WWE deal, and everything in between that. <laughs> so, <clears throat> the Chiesa. Showtime Pettis thing, uh, Kiesa about to move up to welterweight. He was number nine as a lightweight, missed weight the other day. Say the other day because it's Sunday now. Says it'll be his last fight at.
2: What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat. Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket. Outsourcing business tasks you hate. What about selling with Shopify?
0: 155 pounds, but says that McGregor cost him his title shot with the dolly thing. No, he didn't. I mean, that, that's horrible what happened. But no, <laughs> he wasn't getting the title, title shot. Thought maybe Pettis was at the end of his leash here. Typically, former champions get more of a leash when they're in struggles, but two and five in his last seven was a pretty long one. I think two and six could have been pretty bad. So he needed a win, and he got that win. Number 12. And maybe shouldn't have been ranked there. KSA immediately took down Pettis. That's where most, most of round one is. Back and forth battle. Pettis took his back once. In round two, Pettis started to counter these lazy body kicks with a punch and a big knee. Went for guillotine. Put, went in the garden. I think he earned his black belt today, he said. Ended up getting the win with a big triangle armbar. Beautiful how he set it up, and you could see it coming too. This was a terrible performance from Chiesa. He had some really lazy kicks that were his undoing, that were bad for him, that just looked ugly. And somehow the turds are going to put Pettis ahead of Vic in the rankings next week. But Chiesa's subpar kicking game really cost him in this fight, and he's moving up to welterweight as a result. Number 10, or actually, Khalil Roundtree derails Gokhan Saki's hype train with his fist in round one. I did not hesitate to pick Khalil Roundtree if you watched the preview show. I thought that he was fulfilling of potential, and I thought that Saki, even in his, uh, his brief UFC debut, showed holes that, Psaki, or that Khalil Roundtree would exploit. I didn't think he would exploit it with a straight right down the pipe and flatten, or not flatten, but put Gokhan Saki on his ass. That's what happened. Roundtree went into killer mode on the ground after. Saki had a lot of trouble with Roundtree's speed, and I don't think he was prepared for it. I think that he thought he had that covered with his experience. Still have a lot of respect for Saki for stepping up and and, uh, making that transition. Because a lot of people talk about it, not a lot of people do it, much less do it at this level. Roundtree is very passionate after this win because a lot of people wrote him off, undeservedly so. He was an underdog. Dana White says that he will talk to Cormier about what's next if they can't book Brock soon enough for him. It says Gustafson versus Volkan will not be an interim title fight. Costa versus Hall. This is a don't blink fight, you guys. I thought that Hall early couldn't commit to anything. Or wouldn't commit to anything with too much power behind it. And that's usually why he loses fights. I don't think you could say that in this fight, though. Hall gets kicked right in the penis as Costa turns it up. But then Hall started to own Costa with that jab. Landed it at will. Just dominated Costa. Hall also briefly lands a takedown in round two. Uh, Hall dropped Costa, and Costa was so busy shaking his head, like, no, it doesn't hurt, Then he got punched again. Huh? Stop doing that, man. I know you won the fight, but damn, that was dangerous. Too much of that head wagon. You're not D'Lo Brown. You can't make it work. Ole Samuel A. says, what was it, three dick punches? Yeah, it was a lot. Iroh Galvez says, Costa against Whitaker. Yeah, not yet, although... Costa, I don't know if Yoel's going to make that weight either, but Costa versus Yoel makes sense. I don't know if Costa can stop Yoel's wrestling, though. Costa starts swinging for the fences, knocks Hall out. There wasn't a whole lot of strategy outside of Hall successfully spamming jabs and Costa working the body. Just two Hosscats throwing it, man, countering, doing what they do. Costa is now 4-0 in the UFC. Hall has lost 4-5. Rafael Asuncao, number three, unanimous decisions, uh, number 11, uh, Rob Font. Asuncao has a win over TJ Dillashaw and a loss against TJ Dillashaw, but unfortunately they had this weird fetish over booking rematches that no, not a lot of people are calling for And We're getting Garbrandt versus Dillashaw next month. I don't want that fight. I don't give a shit about them fighting again. What did Cody Garbrandt do to earn that? People say, oh, he was winning until TJ Dillashaw beat him. Until T.J. Dillashaw beat him. You know, I'm not losing a fight with John Jones until he comes and knocks me out. Okay, who gives a shit? I don't care. It ma- the end result matters, except in very rare circumstances. And now a Sun house won 10 of 11, 11 of 12. I always wondered how a Sun house ankle injury that sidelined him for so long would affect him in a footwork-heavy bantamweight division, but he's been just fine. He does what a Asuncao does, body kicks, low kicks, being smart with strikes, coming out, times to take down perfectly in round two. The ground battle was such a huge mismatch. A Asuncao is just so precise and careful with what he throws and heavy on top. It had to be frustrating for Font, who couldn't get anything going. A sunsao with a takedown and controls font, and it one sided. And a sunsao probably won't be able to get a title shot until 2019. He's up there with Marlon Marias, but at the beginning of August, you have Garbrandt and Dillashaw. What happens if one of them wins? Well, people are going to call for them to fight Mighty Mouse. Who fights on that same show? Are they going to do that? I don't know. But now you have two legit bantamweight contenders. When you keep running fights back and rescheduling fights and rematch here, rematch there, rematch everywhere in the bantamweight division, you didn't have a lot of contenders. And even when you did, they would get picked off eventually. Now that's not the case. You have Mariahs. you have a Sun Tao. A Sun Tau has a win over Dillashaw as a loss. You, you could run that back. I mean, I don't know if that's a sexy fight. I think Mariahs is probably a better looking fight in that regard. But a Sun definitely earned it. Jakar Kosh, unanimous decisions, Lando Venada, that Venata bonus streak comes to an end tonight. Uh, Lando told us he was looking to slow down his pace, but Jakar Close wasn't letting him. Venada looked to shift the momentum of the back fist, but close did just such a good job disrupting his rhythm. It's amazing that Ferguson was able to give or that Venata was able to give Ferguson to run for his money because he did a lot of nothing and close's cardio reflected that and close picked up the win. Curtis Melender united or you know, unanimous decision to max Griffin. Uh, Griffin walked into a series of strikes and a, a jumping knee. He's able to get uh, a close for a body lock takedown. And it's, it's a while before he's able to get ground and pound. The second round is really sloppy, just fundamentally bad. Melender brings up his back foot when he throws a lot of his lunging punches, which takes a lot of the power out, makes them arm punches, essentially. It's tough. But Melinda ended up winning. It's his eighth straight win. He put together some nice knees in that fight. His winning streak spans Bellator, LFA, and UFC. You don't see that a lot. Miocic says in the post-fight presser, it sucks. Losing is not fun. Better things in life than losing. It's DC's day. Good for him. Stipe thought he was winning the fight and got caught. It's heavyweights. What are you gonna do? That's what I say. When I say I got five on it, it's heavyweight fight. That's what I mean, man. It's heavyweights. It says the stoppage was good. Just wants to go home and hang out with his family and his daughter. Doesn't care between uh, Brock and DC, who wins. Nobody can take uh, Stipe's record from him. I mean, I there's no way I think that Daniel Cormier fights three more times, much less successfully defends his title three more times to tie Miocic's record. I mean, you think about that. The record that Tim Sylvia, I think Couture, and Brock Lesnar held forever, two successful heavyweight title defenses, took years for that to be broken. Years. I mean, everybody had to share that record for a while. So now, how long is it going to be before somebody ties, much less passes the Miocic thing? It's like in baseball, a lot of times you hear somebody say, what's one record that can never be broken? Two no-hitters, because somebody would have to throw, Johnny Vandermeer's two no-hitters in a row, because you have to throw three to do it. It's real hard, as we've seen, to defend that title three straight times successfully, much less break it to get to four. So I get the feeling that Miocic... Unless a special type of athlete comes along, is going to uh, Miocic is probably going to hold that record for quite a while. However, here's one thing to consider: John Jones turns 31 next month. He turns 31 next month. Stephen Miocic is 35, 36. Daniel Cormier is 39. John Jones can kiss his light heavyweight days goodbye, fight at heavyweight, and maybe he goes on that run. That's wild to think, guys. John Jones could miss out next year, come back 31 years old. Oh, by the way, he's younger than Francis Ngannou. Psychotic, man. It's nuts. It's nuts. Oh, man. What a night! Dan Hooker slayed Gilbert Burns first round. Burns was on his front foot right out of the gate and found success, but slowed down pretty quickly. And I thought that Hooker jumped all over him with a bunch of rangy strikes to the body. Hooker timed Burns' inside uh, kick with a punch to the body, and then countered the right hook. Countered a right hook with the left of his own. That's all she wrote, man. the The hype is real with Dan Hooker. He's now won four in a row, knocking on that door of the top fifteen. He wants a to top ten. Man, embarrassing. He said right to Gilbert Burns, stop putting people in here with me that are not on my level. Damn, man. Damn. Emily Whitmire defeated Jamie Moyle via unanimous decision. This was a low-level MMA fight. I'm not talking about it. Ole Samuel Ole says the whole heavyweight division is like 37 or older. Yeah, you have a couple of exceptions, man. You have Ngannou, he's a little bit younger. Volkov, Curtis Blades is in his 20s. Stefan Struve in his early 30s. Junior Albini is a top 15, but, you know. Taitui Vasa, You, it's about half and half now. A lot of the old guards being pushed out. Last night's tough finale, Israel Adesanya had an awesome showing. Just a really, really good showing. By the way, guys, we will expand on this and our thoughts on the Fightful MMA Holy Smokes podcast every Tuesday, 3 p.m. Eastern. I try to stream it on Twitter and on YouTube, but we're on Player FM, iTunes, Stitcher, you know, all over the place, Google Play. But check it out. uh, Former MMA Journalist of the Year, uh, MMA World Awards, whatever the Fighters Only Awards are, are, uh, nominated Journalist of the Year, Showdown Joe. He joins me on that show. We do a lot of in-depth analysis about business of MMA, where things are going, how things unfolded, technical breakdowns. Uh, He is a licensed official and referee, so he has a unique aspect that he can bring to you guys that a lot of other people cannot. Israel Adesanya had an outstanding performance. I thought Brad Tavares was going to be too well-rounded for him. Boy, was I wrong. Adesanya in his third fight and his last fight was a little underwhelming. Third UFC fight undefeated as well, gets a big opportunity against a number eight guy in Tavares. They had Tiago Santos weigh in in case Tavares couldn't make, make the fight because he was almost fell out of it. But this was an outstanding performance from Adesanya. And Dana White called him a cross between John Jones and Anderson Silva. Not saying that, but he showed a lot of improvement on stopping takedowns. That was so impressive. His range was really impressive. This was one-sided. Israel Adesanya, 28 years old. And the thing is, when a prospect like that comes in, it's a lot like MVP. I remember watching MVP tornado kick somebody when he was like 25, 26 years old. However, that was six years ago now. And now we're at the point where he's 13-0. He misses a year here, a year there. He's going to box a couple times. All right, well, now he is 31. He's not a prospect anymore. you got to give him big fights. They went full on with Adesanya, and they were like, all right, here you go, number eight, bam. He's there before he's 29 years old, and he's ready to make some waves. He's going to get probably another top 10 fight after this. He might even be ranked in the top 15, top 10 after this. So I can't say enough positive things about Israel Adesanya's performance. Also on that show. Hey guys, when I say I got five on it, Gerald Mearshart, I mean it. He picked up a win too. Otherwise this show sucked. A nice finish uh, for Luis Pena and Montana De La Rosa. Roxanne Mataferi is really the only other. And Alice Caceres defeating Martin Bravo, that was a good fight. The tough finales aren't worth talking about. Trezano won. He beat Giannetti. I watched a man elbow another man in the ass for a couple of minutes, like Abe Lincoln on Whitest Kids You Know style. Stop breaking my butt. You're breaking my butt. My butt's broken. Shit. Sucked. Alex Caceres, Martin Bravo, good fight. Love watching Alex Caceres fight, especially in strikes. He was a spam cheat code, essentially, in UFC 3, I think it was. Roxanne Modafferi, number 8, gets her first UFC win. That's not often you see somebody with no official UFC wins in the top 10. But she had won three fights on tough between her two runs. And five years ago, I thought she was a, cha- it would have been a charity case if they gave her a Japanese translation job. The expansion in Japan hasn't happened the way that they wanted it anyway, so that ain't happening. But she went to Syndicate MMA. She trained full time. She could have retired. She, honestly, you're telling me on the spot, she should have retired after tough, the, the first tough, tough 18. I'm so glad she didn't. I tweeted to Shayna Baszler that Roxanne Modaferi is equal parts wonderful and horrifying. And her being equal parts horrifying and wonderful makes it even more horrifying. Thus far, not equal. She is scary when she takes Barb Honchak down and just elbows her. Elbows her. Elbows her. Filthy. Congratulations, Roxanne Modaferi. Barb Honchak. To come back after missing several years and go on the run on tough, she did and come back and went and do all that stuff. That's impressive. I hope she sticks around. Who, boys? That's it. Fightful MMA podcast. Again, join us for the Holy Smokes podcast every Tuesday. Every Tuesday, 3 p.m. Eastern. FightfulMMA.com. James Lynch does such great work with pros picks, with exclusives, with interviews subscribe. Check out our playlist. We have playlists that make all this stuff easy for you on our YouTube page. Separate everything. Fightful Scraps, we've got the clips over there. FightfulSelect.com. Till next time, guys, thank you all for joining me. It's been a wild night. We are out.